Happy Monday to all of you. Thanks for joining us as always. It is much appreciated. I hope that all of you had a great long holiday weekend. Enjoyed your Thanksgiving. We'll get into the Patriots as the traveling circus made its way to New York yesterday. But first, I want to tell you some podcast news. We are going to go live. That's right. Starting next Monday, every weekday, Monday through Friday, right here on YouTube, the Nick Cattle Show will be live at 11 a.m. Check us out. Give us that thumbs up for going live starting next Monday. Every single day of the week at 11 a.m. The more likes means more eyeballs, more traffic. Build the community. Give us that like. Also, don't forget to comment and subscribe. Every day starting next Monday, Monday through Friday, we will be doing this show live on YouTube at 11 a.m. Let's get into that nightmare, which was yesterday. And all of us expected with those two teams that this football game was going to be ugly. And the Patriots held up their end of the bargain, no doubt. Let's start with the end of the game, though. Because the end of the game, I thought, was the perfect ending for what we have witnessed this year with this team. You had a chance to try to win that game. You had the ball inside the New York 25, a new fresh set of downs. You had two timeouts with just over a minute to go. You had a chance, a golden opportunity to gain some momentum, to capture some excitement, to give your guys some reason to cheer and feel good about itself, right? To, to give them a chance to look at this team and say, all right, it hasn't been a good year, but that, that was fun. You had a chance, if you were Bill Belichick, to give your guys that opportunity with a walk-off win. And what did you do? What did you do? Inside the New York 25-yard line with over a minute to go and two timeouts, you run the football for almost nothing. Incomplete pass in the flat. And then you run a jet sweep with Tyquan Thornton on third and eight which is the most ridiculous play call I can remember out of a lot of ridiculous play calls this season. A third and eight jet sweep to Tyquan Thornton of all people. You didn't want to win that game. If you wanted to win that game, you go for it. Two timeouts over a minute to go. And look, don't get it twisted. This isn't telling you that it would have been a good thing for the Patriots to win. But if you're Bill Belichick, your goal is to win a football game. Your goal is try to get your guys going by any means necessary. When you're two and eight, try to find some kind of life. Give them a little bit of a boost. In Belichick being so conservative yesterday, which has been a trend. We've talked about it. Go back a month and a half, two months ago, when we started this podcast, we talked about Belichick coaching scared. That continued yesterday. Coach scared, play scared, look scared, be scared. They are scared and they stink. And with over a minute left in this game with two timeouts inside the Giants 25-yard line, you were playing for a field goal. You were playing for overtime at 2-8. and What's the point? What's the point playing for a field goal? What are we doing here? You have nothing to lose. Tuck your tail between your legs and run a jet sweep on third and eight. Just be happy with the three points. As if you made that field goal, which you didn't, the kicker that you traded up for in the fourth round, by the way, as Nick focused 22 of 23 this season on field goals. The guy that you traded up for in the fourth round, which is just hilarious to think about, but you traded up in the fourth round to get that kicker who's now missed two chip shots the last two games we've seen. Missed a chip shot in Germany, missed a chip shot yesterday to push that game into overtime. But as if, if your kicker actually made the kick, You had confidence in your offense to be able to move the football in overtime and win that game? 
Your offense had been an atrocity, a joke, an embarrassment. What was the thought process there? Let's tie this game at 10-10 instead of going for the win so we can get the football in overtime and hopefully maybe, fingers crossed, get 40, 50 yards and try another field goal from a guy that we don't trust from 50 yards and beyond when we when we moved up to draft him in the fourth round because he had a quote-unquote big leg? Like, Am I going crazy? I'm not going crazy. You're not going crazy. This team is crazy. This operation is crazy. It's an all-out mess. It's a circus. It's Barnum and Bailey's traveling from town to town. Put the tent up, rip it down. Put the tent up, rip it down. That's what this team is at this point. You can watch this team. And you can have six to seven solid questions every single game as to why the hell what just happened happened. And yesterday was no different. Now let's get to the quarterback mess. The quarterback circus that led us into this game. What what actually happened with the quarterbacks? Now, if you read reports from credible writers who talk to their sources, they would tell you the reps were split 50-50. Andrew Callahan reported it. Mike Reese reported it. And many other guys out there on the beat reported that the reps were pretty much split 50-50. Callahan posted yesterday that Mac Jones edged Bailey Zappi in practice, but it was fairly close. Said Zappi's poor game performance also factored into the decision to start Mac Jones. Fairly close. Let me ask you this. If Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones were fairly close in practice, and you've seen what you've seen from Mac Jones, albeit Bailey Zappi has been bad. Statistically, he has been worse than Mac Jones. But the nature of the interceptions that Jones has thrown, right? The lasting image of Germany against the Colts when he throws that god-awful pick and you bench him at the end of the game and you throw Bailey Zappi into the deep end with two minutes left to run that drill, the two-minute drill, right? You, you throw Zappi into that situation. You thought Zappi gave yourself and your team the best chance to win against Indy in Germany after that Mac Jones pick. You thought it was Bailey Zappi's time. You as in Bill Belichick because you made the move. Then how in the world can you pull Mac Jones at the end of that game in Germany and give Zappi the team in that moment? But yet, you still have a quarterback quasi-competition. We'll get to that in a second because how much of a competition was it? Depends on who you ask. And not depends on who you ask as far as reporters and insiders. Depends on who you ask in that facility. But after the game in Germany against the Colts, pulling Mac Jones at the end of that game, putting Zappi in, and then you have a quarterback quasi-competition, and Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones are pretty much neck and neck the whole week. It was fairly close, according to Andrew Callahan. Then how in the world do you start Mac Jones yesterday? How do you do it? I said it two weeks ago. If you're going to have some kind of competition, if it's even remotely close, then you can't start Mac Jones. And I didn't think they should start Mac Jones anyway. Not this week. Not after Germany. Not after what we've seen. Not after pulling him at the end of the game in Germany. But how much of a competition was this? Yesterday, we had reports in the morning that Bailey Zappi was going to be in the mix. That always works, right? It worked out great when they played against Chicago. Monday Night Football, remember that disaster when Belichick embarrassed Mac Jones by pulling him and throwing him out there when he wasn't healthy? And the, the fans are chanting for Zappi and, and, and that complete ridiculosity that played out? That worked out so well against Chicago. So let's roll with the, hey, quarterback two could be in the mix here. 
Let's go with a quarterback rotation on Sunday. Week 12. Week 12. And you're talking about your backup quarterback. He might be in the mix here. The Mac interceptions, the same stuff we saw. Bad footwork, bad decisions is what it is at this point. He's broken. Bailey Zappi wasn't much better. They obviously don't trust the guy. This was from Zach Cox from Nesson. He posted this. Zappi's nine completions yesterday featured a total, I said total, of minus four air yards. He did not complete a pass to a target more than five yards downfield. And five of the nine that he completed were behind the line of scrimmage. Evan Lazar posted that the touchdown drive to begin the second half with Zappi, the average target was minus one and a half yards. Screen, pass, screen, pass, screen, pass, screen. Screen, 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 screen. Screen, bubble screen, screen, bubble screen. That's all you saw. It was a screen party. And when they actually had Zappi throw beyond five yards down the field, he throws a terrible pick into triple coverage. Looked like the exact same pick that Mac threw earlier in the game. I mean, it's it's just a it's a debacle. The old saying, and, and it's it's true. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. Bill Belichick back in two thousand and one said that that you can't you can't try to split reps during a game week. That it doesn't work. Bill Belichick himself said that in two thousand one. Andy Hart posted it last week. Fantastic job by him. When Belichick played games with Brady and Bledsoe. Brady did not play well. Belichick came out and said that he had messed up, that, that you know, there, there, weren't, there weren't enough reps for Brady that week. And here we are again. And for people, if you even want to try to push back, I don't know why you would try to push back at this point, but if you want to try to push back, if you want to try to push back on me and say, well, hey, Nick, things can change over 20 years. You tell me how many times we've seen an NFL team, not even a good team, but how many times have we seen an NFL team in the past 10, 15 years by week 12 not really know what to do at quarterback and split reps? Now, that's if they split reps, okay? Because one of the mysteries out of yesterday's awfulness was when did the Patriots, the team, the players, when did they know that Mac was going to start? And there's all sorts of information flying around, and it seems like nobody can find their ass with two hands and a flashlight at night. Hunter Henry, Juju Smith-Schuster, Devontae Parker, they came out yesterday after the game and said that they didn't know until yesterday that Mac was going to start. And I remind you, if you want to throw Juju and Devontae out, whatever, Hunter Henry is a trusted guy on this team. He is a captain, and he is also close to Mac Jones. So Hunter Henry, who is a captain, who is close to Mac, says yesterday that he did not know who was going to be starting that game until the morning of the game. That's that side of the story. Bill Belichick, he said yesterday he couldn't remember. Captain accountability at it again, right? Can't remember. He couldn't remember. He was on Greg Hill this morning. He said it was at some point during the week that he made the decision. So Belichick says he made the decision during the week. Henry, Juju, Parker say, we didn't know. The reports, all of the sources, the reporting out there, the insiders saying that the reps were split 
Belichick said that, you know, Mac got more of the snaps, I believe, but Bailey Zappi got more than he, he usually does. It, it's, it's all over the place. Mike Reese, who was one of the most trusted reporters in Boston, a guy that's been on this beat forever, on ESPN.com yesterday, before the game, here's what Reese wrote. By keeping his decision from his quarterbacks, obviously talking about Belichick and the rest of the team throughout the week, Belichick seemingly made the calculation that the unknown would sharpen the focus of each player more than making an early week announcement of a starter players could rally around. How'd that work? So Mike Reese is saying that Belichick kept his quarterbacks in the dark all week. He kept the players in the dark. So what's happening here? Mark Daniels from Mass Live today wrote that Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott knew that Mac was going to start. Here's what Daniels wrote. Stevenson was asked when he found out which Patriots quarterback was starting Sunday's game against the Giants. At that point, he immediately turned to the locker next to him and asked Zeke the same question. Quote, when do we learn who was going to start a quarterback today, Zeke? Elliott responded, huh? Stevenson asked again, when did we learn who was going to start at quarterback today? Zeke said, we knew the whole time. Daniels writes, that's when Stevenson turned back and told Mass Live the truth. The Patriots always knew that Mac Jones was going to start on Sunday. Quote, yeah, we basically knew Mac was the starter all week in practice. It was kind of the same thing. Unquote. Daniels writes, it appears that Bill Belichick's practice quarterback competition was just for show. Was it? I don't know. <laughs> Hunter Henry, Juju, and Devontae say that they didn't know until yesterday. Stevenson and Elliott say that they knew all week long. David Andrews did not want to touch the question with a 10-foot pole at the podium. And by the way, shout out to David Andrews. He deserves hazard pay having to do these post-game press conferences every week and talk about, you know, the walking dead in New England. But what gives here? Does this make any sense? Was it communicated to the players clearly? Was it told to the players that Mac would start? That's the first question. Was it communicated? How was it communicated? They have a captain's meeting every week, and Hunter Henry says he didn't know until Sunday morning that Mac was starting. So did Belichick not address the quarterback position with the captains? Did he not tell the captains that Mac was going to start, but somehow Ramondre and Zeke knew he was going to start? So how was this communicated? When was this communicated? Was it the beginning of the week, middle of the week, end of the week? Was it on Sunday? Or was it surmised? Was it surmised by some players and coaches that Mac would be the guy? Now, I'm trying to make sense of the absolute senseless. So this is me throwing a dart. But maybe, just maybe, why we have such a disconnect as far as when was the quarterback known and but maybe, just maybe, some guys on the team surmised that it would be Mac because Mac led all the reps with the ones. They pretty much, according to reports, split reps, but Mac always was first in line. So my guess, and again, it's just trying to make sense out of the senseless. My guess is that guys like Stevenson and Zeke and others, they figured that Mac was going to start because Mac was leading the group and then Zappy would come in. The overall big picture was splitting reps, but Mac was still the number one guy in the rotation. 
So maybe others like Hunter Henry and Juju and Devontae and others on the team saw it as a splitting of the reps and said, well, Bailey's getting more reps. This is a competition. Maybe some guys who already wrote off Mac Jones looked at it and said, well, after Germany, they're splitting reps. That has to mean that Zappy might start this game. While others said, no, I mean, it's pretty much the same, but Zappy's getting a few more reps than he usually does, but Mac's still first in the rotation. That's the only thing that would make sense to me. And again, I'm trying to make sense out of a senseless abomination. It's not my fault. Blame Belichick and the rest of the crew in, in Foxborough. And just the podium stuff, right? Everybody's just afraid of Big Bad Bill. Nobody wants to go up there and just say what it was. Everybody's tap dancing. Everybody's got to think about it. Everybody's afraid of being honest. Everybody's afraid of saying how they saw things. Be because the, the shroud of secrecy that, that covers and hovers this organization with Bill Belichick as the head coach and GM. So you get no straight answers. You get no accountability. You get very little accountability from most of these guys. You don't get much accountability at all from Belichick. You've got a paying fan base, people that pay to see this team, a season ticket holder list that is long. And Belichick goes out there and says he can't remember when he made the decision. Like, that's just ridiculous. He's the GM. He's the head coach. He's the voice of this team. And they're 2-9, and nine, one of the worst teams in football. And you're asked a direct question multiple times. And you can't tell us when you made the decision? This isn't a state secret, Bill. He's playing chess. Yeah, that worked out really well. Both quarterbacks were terrible. They cut Will Greer during the week. Why was he on the team through the bye week? Why was he even on the team? You're cutting him. Malik Cunningham, by the way, is getting zero reps at quarterback since Vegas. He was cut. The quarterback shuffle continues. And you're trying to tell me this isn't a mess for those who try to tell me it's not a mess? Let's get to the game plan. That was a disaster. Why in the first half, you're going against the team in the Giants. We talked about this a little bit on the Greg Bedard podcast. I believe I talked about it a little bit before Thanksgiving. Who knows? It was a long time ago. But the New York Giants going into this game were 30th in the league against the run. Teams were averaging almost five yards a carry against the Giants defense. In the first half, before the final run of the first half, which didn't really matter. You were just trying to get to halftime, trying to get to the locker room. Before that run, Bill O'Brien called 21 pass attempts and 12 runs. You have a broken quarterback. You're playing against one of the worst run defenses in football. Your run game actually is doing well because on those 12 running back carries, the Patriots were averaging almost five yards a carry, which is precisely, I think it was 4.8, which is precisely what the Giants were giving up throughout this season. And the Giants didn't have their best player, Dexter Lawrence, interior defensive lineman yesterday. You go into that game yesterday and call 21 passes and 12 runs in the first half against that defense? Why? With your broken-ass quarterback. And you're getting five yards a carry. The Patriots should have run the ball 50 times yesterday. That's it. Run the ball 50 times. I posted that before the game. This is not hindsight. If I know that, how do they not know that? 
And whether it's O'Brien, whether it's Bill Belichick and Belichick setting the course, I know Greg Bedard wrote yesterday that, you know, Belichick is the guy that pretty much goes in and says, this is how we want to handle this game. I don't know if Belichick wanted offensive balance. I don't know if Bill O'Brien had a brain fart. I don't know if he had a meltdown. I don't know what happened. All I know is the results sucked. They had two weeks to prepare. <laughs> two weeks to prepare for this game, coming off of a bye week against one of the worst teams in football, and that's what you did offensively. Your quarterback stunk. The approach during the week in practice stunk. Your play calling stunk. Two weeks to prepare, and you put up seven offensive points. Two weeks to prepare, and you have Mike Kosicki not knowing which route to run, not once but twice in that game. Had no idea what to run against man coverage. It's week 12, and Gasicki has no idea which route to run. you got confusion at the line of scrimmage. It's nonstop. Play clock is down to one every single snap. Guys are running around. They look confused. Jones is, like, trying to orchestrate. Like, he's with the pops. Just, it's just madness. Two weeks to prepare. Imagine a short week, what it would look like. This is off of a bye. Just unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Now let's get to Belichick coaching scared, because I talked about this towards the beginning of the podcast. When we started this podcast, I did a podcast, a segment on Belichick coaching scared, and I talked about going all the way back to 2012 with Brady as your quarterback. Belichick was one of the most conservative coaches in football. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when the computer cowboy on X posted fourth down decision-making and the Patriots were smack dab in the middle between fear and confusion. And Belichick, again, coaching scared. The final drive, we talked about it. How about the first half? How about punting from the New York Giants 37-yard line? How about that decision? That was awesome. You're at the Giants' 37-yard line. You have a third and seven. Instead of running the football and trying to get a couple of yards to try to go for it on fourth and medium, you throw an incomplete pass because Tyquan Thornton can't get open, and Mack tries to hit him on the back hip, and Tyquan drops the football because the corner had leverage because your wide receiver can't run the route. Shocking. That river dance Thornton couldn't do it. Twinkle Toes Thornton couldn't, couldn't run the route correctly. So you have options there, right? You can run the football, as I said, get a couple of yards against that Giants defense and kick a field goal at about 50 yards. That's one option. Or you can run the football, create a, a fourth and medium, and go for it. But the Patriots punt. They punt from the Giants' 37-yard line. The team is 2-8. and eight. Are you afraid? Are you afraid of the Tommy DeVito Giants offense? going 60-plus yards against your defense yesterday? Why in the blue hell would you punt that football? Makes no sense. How, how about the debacle, the charade that we saw later in the game, third quarter, fourth and a half a yard, fourth and a half yard. Again, you don't go for it. You're on the Giants. You're on your own 40, I believe, and you don't go for it on fourth and a half yard. You're at two and freaking eight on the season. You have some momentum. You have some momentum in this game. You put a touchdown on the board. Fourth and a half a yard. And what do they do? Instead of just punting the football, 
which is what I expected from the beginning. No, they, they have that ridiculous wildcat, Zeke Elliott, Hunter Henry, Bailey Zappi running out wide. All of this, all of this for nothing. And then you blow a timeout. You blow a timeout early in the third quarter. For what? Why don't you just take the delay of game? You could have gone for it. You decided not to. You could have just taken the delay of game. You decided not to. Instead, fourth and a half yard, you pull that out to then waste the timeout. This is basic coaching stuff, everybody. And this is why I talked about this a few weeks ago, that Belichick has taken a step back as a coach. You could still say he's a top 10 coach-ish. You could still say that if you'd like, because there's a lot of bad coaching in the league. But these decisions, the way that practice was handled with the quarterbacks, the way that the game was not executed properly, the operation of it all, the, the undisciplined tenor of this football team that we've seen in stretches, the rotation at wide receiver, which has made no sense. That's the head coach. Fourth down decisions, timeout decisions. That's the head coach. Steve Belichick on third and 10 when the Giants have the football on the Patriots 12-yard line. Third and 10, 12-yard line, Steve Belichick calls for a zero blitz. Terrible play call defensively. Jonathan Jones misses a tackle. Touchdown, City. I will give credit to Peppers, Barmore, Zeke, and Stevenson because those guys were the bright spots. Shout out to them for continuing to play hard and play pretty well. The product's bad. All right, Belichick's rep. How is it around the game? We'll get to that in a minute. I want to remind you, we're going to go live every single day, Monday through Friday, starting next Monday, December 4th at 11 a.m. on YouTube. Monday through Friday, every weekday at 11 a.m. We're going live on YouTube starting next Monday. Give us that thumbs up if you like my rants. If you agree or disagree with me, you can comment as well. But give us that thumbs up, and let's get those Let's get those numbers up as this community continues to build. All right, so the Athletic, last thing I want to talk about today. The Athletic had an anonymous player poll last week, and I didn't get to this because Thanksgiving, we had Thanksgiving and Friday off. But uh, there was a question on this poll. 72 players responded. The question was, which current coach, aside from your own, would you want to play for? And you have Mike Tomlin at the top, Mike McDaniel. You have others as third, Andy Reid, Dan Campbell, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, Nick Sirianni, Pete Carroll, Antonio Pierce, D'Amico Ryans, Mike Vrabel, and then you get to Bill Belichick at 2.1% of the vote. And we don't even know how many others were included in the 10.4%. So let's say that there were four others. So Belichick finishes 12th on that list. If there were four others, that means Belichick is in the middle of the pack of coaches that players would like to play for. Ipso facto, Belichick's popularity is plummeting throughout the league. And players are looking at this and they're saying, hey, look, he's tough to play for. And they're not winning. And they don't have Brady. Why do I want to go play for that guy if it's not going to make me more money or if it's not going to result in me winning a championship or even have a chance of contending? So Belichick's reputation with players as far as wanting to play for the guy, his credibility is falling off of a cliff. And if I'm Robert Kraft and I'm entertaining, if I'm even entertaining, I don't think we're there. <laughs> I hope we're not there. But if we're entertaining the idea of keeping Bill Belichick, 
this kind of poll, this kind of survey is damaging for Bill Belichick. You have to reset a lot of this roster. You need talent. You've got $90 million in cap space. One of your main pathways to getting better next year is free agency. And part of free agency is selling that player on the idea of the organization. It's selling that player on the coach. It's selling that player on the operation, the structure, the stability, all of that. Coming off of this season, how in the world could you sell a free agent on the stability of this program? Post Brady, well below 500 at this point. How could you sell any player on Bill Belichick, especially an offensive player? How could you sell any offensive player on the idea that Bill Belichick is going to be your head coach? How could you do that? If you're Kraft, you're looking at this survey and you're saying, not many people want to play for this guy, which means we're going to have to overpay to get medium talent. That's not the path you want to take. What are you selling on free agents if you bring Bill back? What's the pull? The idea of six Super Bowls, I'm telling you, it's it's dead and buried at this point. If you're a free agent, you ask yourself, what is this guy going to do for me? And you look at this offense, you look at the operation, you look at the, the way that the, the media is handled and, and all of these different things that we've talked about. Why in the world would you be excited to join that team unless they backed up the Brinks truck and overpaid your tuckus? So if I'm Kraft, I'm looking at this, I'm saying a lot of guys don't want to play for this dude. He's like 16th, 17th in popularity for the players that were surveyed. I mean, why would any free agent, especially offensively, join a team that has an unknown at quarterback? Because we still don't know what the draft pick is going to be in April. You have a complete unknown at quarterback. Free agency is in March. So we won't know who the quarterback of this team is when free agency hits. So you're T. Higgins. Okay, they have an unknown at quarterback. No idea who's throwing the football to me. I might have to deal with this scheme that is that is tough to learn and seems to limit players at this point. It's really difficult to actually thrive within that offensive system. This team hasn't had a playoff win since 2018. Five years by my count now. No playoff wins in five years. Why are you jumping to this team? You'll have a head coach. Again, if Belichick's back, that's the premise. Head coach that isn't beloved by the players, is completely careless with the offense, and is tough to play for. Why am I leaping at that opportunity? If Belichick is gone, and we all have to think and assume that he is gone at this point, at 2-9, and nine, Belichick goes, the head coaching hire has to be someone you can sell to the football world. Mike McDaniel was one of those guys, right? He goes to Miami, he picks up the phone, Tua gets buy-in right away. Whoever replaces Belichick has to be somebody who the players believe in, that a coaching staff believes in, and is excited to play for or coach with. Somebody who will have some kind of pull in free agency that a player will think to themselves, oh, I saw that offensive system, or I got to meet with that guy and talk to him. That guy has a great reputation throughout the game. That's where you start with this hire. Because it's a circus, it's a mess. All right, that'll do it for to, uh, today. Again, thanks 
to everybody joining us. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up, comment, and subscribe. Starting to go live every weekday, next Monday, December 4th at 11 a.m. on YouTube. Till tomorrow, it's the Nick Cattle Show.